Church, today we're going to be uh, continuing our sermon series that we started last week entitled I Am. And this whole month we're going to be looking at the, the I Am statements that Jesus made. Today we're going to be looking at where he said, I am the good shepherd. Acts chapter 4 verse 11 and 12 says this to us. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Church, last week we talked about when Jesus made the statement, I am the resurrection and the life. And I want to remind you of what we mentioned last week, where the resurrection is not just an event, it is a person. And today we're going to be looking in John chapter 10. And in verse 11, Jesus made this statement. He said this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. For the sheep. Where Jesus said, He said, I am the good shepherd. And so, church, I want you to be thinking for a moment right now what is it that the good shepherd does? The Bible says He lays down His life for His sheep. Now, we know that the, the word gospel means good news, and it is the good news that Jesus, the good shepherd, was willing to die for us. He died in our place, church. And the fact that he says he is the good shepherd implies this, that there are other shepherds who are not good. In John chapter 1, verse 10, he says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and to have it to the full. In church, what Jesus is speaking about right here, he's talking about our spiritual enemy. Our enemy is Satan. He's the prince of darkness. He hates God, and church, he hates God's people. And his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy every single thing that matters to God. And so church, do you realize this? You are what matters to God. And Satan, the enemy, he is looking to kill, steal, and destroy each and every one of us. And, and so, church, we really and truly, we have to admit, Satan is real. He's very, very real. And that there is a power of evil that exists in the world today that's destroying, church. It's destroying a lot of good things that matter to God. Think about this. How many people do you know that's very sick? How many families do you know that's falling apart? How many marriages have you seen that are in desperate trouble? A lot of kids, they're out there making bad decisions in life. And at the root of all of this, church, at the very root of all of it, there's a thief and a robber. I want to remind you what it says in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, the thief comes only. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and to have it to the full church. Jesus is the good shepherd. So who are you and I? Who are we in this metaphor? I want you to think about this for a minute. Church, we are the sheep. You and I, we are the sheep. The shepherd wants you and I to have a life and we, he wants us to live it to the fullest. Amen. He wants you to have that, that life. That's what he wants for you. And sheep, just for the record, just for the record, church, it is mentioned sheep more than any other 
animal in the Bible. It's mentioned about 200 times. We are the sheep, and unfortunately, though, I want to tell you that's really good news. Because sheep are some of the stupidest animals on this earth. It's true. So you go to the circus, right? You go to the circus, you can see trained animals, right? You go to the circus, you see trained donkeys, you'll see trained horses, you'll see trained dogs, you know, you, you, you can even see a flea circus, right? I guess they can train fleas, that's the rumor. I don't know if that's true or not. But you never see sheep in the circus. You don't see sheep in the circus because you can't train them because they're dumb, You know, you can make your dog play dead, right? Some of you, you got dogs well trained. Hey, play dead, and they'll roll over until you give them the treat. But you can only do that to a sheep. The only way you can do that to a sheep is to shoot it. And that trick only works one time. That's it, right? They're not very smart creatures. That's the bottom line, church. They're not very smart creatures. And so we're the sheep. And so what I want to give you real quickly is four challenges of being sheep. The very first one is this. Sheep get lost very, very easily. How many of you get lost in your own driveways at home? You're those people. You have no sense of direction whatsoever. You, you can go somewhere 20 times and you still get lost on the 20th time. You, you just can't do that. Isaiah chapter 53 says this. All sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. It is incredibly common for sheep to walk away from the fold. That's why they're shepherds. You know, the sheep, you're kind of like, hmm, I think I'll go this way. Or, or you know, I, I think there's something over here that's going to make me happy. Or I don't know what to do. I can't seem to make a good decision. Church, that is us, is it not? That's who we are. The reality is this. There are so many of us that act exactly like that today. We're always looking for something better. We're always getting lost. We're always making poor decisions. Sheep without a shepherd, they get lost very easily. The second thing about sheep are this. Sheep are defenseless. They are defenseless. And this is interesting. Almost every animal on the earth has some form of defense. Right? Cats. You come at a cat, they'll scratch your eyes out, won't they? You know, some animals have fangs, some have horns, they will gouge you with their horns, some can kick, some can fly away, some are really, really fast. Some blend into the environment, don't they? But sheep can't do anything. They're totally defenseless. So for us, church, for you and I, on our own, without the body of Christ, without the armor of God, without protection from the good shepherd... We are just like that. We're very vulnerable to the lures of the evil one. We are. So many of us are sheep, and, and what's going on in your life, in my life, we, we fall into this. We begin to believe the lies of the enemy, and we are living a life that leads to death and destruction. So many people are doing that, at least on the inside. Sheep are defenseless. The third thing is this. Sheep are very stubborn. Sheep are stubborn. See that person sitting next to you? You know the one I'm talking about? Go ahead, look at them. Right? Go ahead, you tell them they're stubborn. <laughs> You're stubborn. 
that person that you're sitting right beside there, if they're not really stubborn, you know what? You're probably the stubborn one. You probably are the one that's stubborn. And if you didn't say that to somebody, if you didn't tell them someone beside you is stubborn, you really are the stubborn one because you didn't listen. You didn't listen. Yeah, you're right there. Biggest stubborn one in this room. But church, sheep are not very smart. They're, they're, they're very stubborn. You know, do you know when a sheep, if they would walk between two rocks and they get stuck, they won't go in reverse. They keep trying to go forward and just keep getting more stuck. And how many of you, how many of you know somebody like that right now? They won't put it in reverse. They keep trying to push forward even though they're stuck. They're, they're getting deeper and, and deeper into it. You know, I've heard girls say, how come I always attract the bad guys, right? How come all the bad guys always come after me? You know, maybe they're fishing with the wrong bait. That might be the issue there. I've heard guys say, you know what? I'm always out of money. I'm always broke. I never have anything. But yet, tonight they'll be shopping online again. Stubborn and dumb. That's what a lot of sheep are. The fourth thing is this. Sheep are filthy. They're dirty. Very dirty creatures. You know, if you see a, a very white, fluffy sheep on TV, you know what? They, they power wash that dude. I'm telling you. They did. They're just dirty, nasty creatures. They don't have the ability to clean themselves, and they won't. Now, I want you to look at that person next to you. I'm kidding. <laughs> don't tell anybody they're dirty, not at church. You wait till after church. Truthfully, though, no, seriously, listen. That's the way we are in God's eyes when we're on our own, church. It's true. That's the way that God looks at us when we are on our own. You know, I hear people say all the time, well, he's a really good guy or she's a really good girl. But you know what? In the eyes of our perfect God, he is a perfect God, church. We are very filthy, dirty sinners falling short. We are falling short of God's standards of perfection. That's who we are. The bottom line is this, church. Sheep need a shepherd. And we need a savior. We need Jesus. And without him, every single one of us, without Christ, we are vulnerable to the lies of the enemy. We're very vulnerable to that. And that is why it's really, really, really good news when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. That's good news for you and I, right? So, so I, and he also says, I would lay down my life for the sheep. So those are four incredible qualities of, of the, the good shepherd that we're going to cover today. And I pray today, these four qualities, I'll pray that they'll connect with your heart. That they will connect with your heart. And so what does the good shepherd do? The very first thing the good shepherd does is he does this. He guides us. The good shepherd guides us. Turn to Psalm 23. Most of our text is going to come from there this morning. In Psalm 23, verse 3, it says this. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. He guides us, church. Have you ever had a big decision to make in your life? I'm talking this big decision, and you're wrestling back and forth in your mind, in your heart. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I wish somebody would tell me what to do. You even go to maybe your spouse, your best friend, your parents, whatever it might be. Just tell me what to do. You just want someone to make that decision for you. 
But church, you know, when you seek God, when you seek God, he will reveal himself to you and he will guide you. The Bible tells us, Jeremiah, he, he says this, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, when you seek me with all your heart. He will reveal himself to you. You know, if you look at John chapter 10, again with me, in verses 3 and 4, it says this, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They know his voice. Church, he guides them. This is very powerful. If you're paying attention, if you're really noticing it, this is powerful. It says because they recognize the voice of the good shepherd. You can recognize his voice. Do you realize that God can speak audibly? He can, church. He, he can. I heard his voice one time. I'm not kidding you. One time in my life, I wish I could hear it every day. One time I heard him audibly. But he doesn't always have to speak audibly, church, because you know what? He can speak through his word. God will speak to us through his word. But you know, here's the problem. Some of us are lazy, right? We're like, God, just talk to me straight up. I ain't got time to do all that reading. That's how we act. You might not say it, but that's how we act. You really desperately want to hear his voice, but yet you, you don't want to dig into his word. He can speak to you not only through his word, church. He can speak to you through circumstances. God will speak to you through circumstances. He can also speak to you through people. I can't tell you how many times God spoke to me through somebody else. He can also speak to you through a sermon. You know, you might sit there and say, man, preacher, that sermon was for me today. You bet it was. That was God speaking to you. God can speak to us in all kinds of ways. And, and the Bible tells us, and the sheep that belong to him, church, the sheep that belong to him, they know his voice. They know his voice. So you might say, well, I don't know his voice. I can't recognize God's voice. There are one of two reasons that you don't. There's one or two reasons that you don't. You know, if, if my wife calls me on the phone, you know, answer the phone, hello? What are you doing? That's what she always asks me. What are you doing? If I was to say to her, who is this? It would be bad, right? But I, I've known her since we were in the seventh grade. We've had quite a few conversations in our lifetime. I recognize her voice because we are close. We, we have an intimate relationship with one another. So I recognize her voice immediately because I spend time with her. If you are one of the shepherd's sheep church and he calls you by name, the Bible tells us that, you should recognize his voice because our God is a personal God. Our God is a relational God. It should be very personal with him. It should be very relational. And so when someone calls you by name, it changes everything. Have you ever had somebody that you knew who they were, but you didn't know they knew you? Good, bad, or indifferent. That doesn't matter, right? But you walk past them and they're like, hey, what's up, Jimmy? And you're like, oh, they know my name, right? It kind of floors you. It makes you feel special that, that somebody actually knew who you were and you didn't think that they did. God is a relational God. He knows your name. 
And so church, if you're having a really hard time in your life hearing his voice, if you're having a really rough time making a big decision, you know, should I date this person? Should I marry this person? You know, should we have more kids? Should I take this job? Whatever it might be for you, you ask God to show you. You ask God to say, show me what you want me to do. You pray on that. You, you meditate on that. I'm telling you right now, he will show you. Because that's what he does. He guides us. The second thing that the shepherd does is this. He provides for us, church. I don't think we really and truly fathom how much God provides for us. Do you realize he owns it all? He owns it all. And everything that you have, he has provided for you. He has provided for you. Your children, he has provided for them. He has provided for you and your family. And so he provides Psalm 23. If you'll look at this, verses one through three, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul and he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. He provides, church. You realize sheep, they don't lay down very often. They don't lay down very often. So there's three things that have to be in place for, for sheep for them to lie down. The very first thing is they gotta be well fed. I'm talking they gotta have a full belly for them to lie down. They have to be getting along with the other sheep or they won't lie down. And they have to feel safe or they won't lie down. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Listen, he supplies church. He gives you what you need. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. But see, here's what it is. For them to be safe, they, won't, they, they have to be safe to lie down. But in the presence of the good shepherd, when he leads them to those green pastures, right? They, they are full because, church, they are in his presence. They're in his presence. He breaks up the fights. He helps them get along. Some of you need the good shepherd to come into your home. <laughs> Helps them bring some healing. Help to bring some forgiveness around. See, but the, the good shepherd is also their defender, church. He is their defender, so they're not afraid. He leads me beside quiet waters. Why does it say that about quiet waters? Well, here's what it is. See, if there is rushing water, sheep will not drink of the rushing water. Here's why. Because they often fall in. So picture, they become like a big, giant cotton ball that's wet. It just sinks right down. They drown. The good shepherd leads them to the right kind of water so that they can drink. So they can drink of what it is. And see, Jesus' church is the right kind of water. He is the living water. And once we drink of him, the Bible says what? We will never thirst again. We will never thirst again. He quenches that inward thirst church, so that we can have rest, so that you and I can have rest. He refreshes my soul. Some of you, you're sitting here today, you're watching online, whatever it might be, and you know what? You have everything you need on the outside. Man, you make it look good. You really do. You, you appear to have it all together. You appear to have every single thing that, that you, you need on the outside, but inwardly, your soul's not at rest. You're not resting. I'm talking you're re restless. 
But do you understand under the good shepherd there's peace? I'm talking about the peace the Bible talks about where all crazy can just be breaking loose in your life. I'm talking all the crazy. You know what I'm talking about? They come out of the woodwork, they're crazy in your life, don't they? All that crazy can be breaking loose, but then you can be at a place where everything is going wrong, but yet you've got peace. You got peace. The Bible calls that the peace that passes all understanding, right? That supernatural peace, knowing that it's going to be okay because in the presence of God, church, in your soul, he gives you that peace. So the good shepherd, he provides. The third thing is this, the good shepherd corrects. This is the tough one, man. You better hang on tight right now. The good shepherd corrects. This might not be good news for those of you today who are wandering around. You know what I'm talking about. That you're wandering through life, but the good shepherd corrects because it really and truly is good news. He corrects when you're going into danger. If you'll look with me at Job chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, it says this, but consider the joy of those corrected by God. I'm going to stop right there. I seriously don't think I've ever met anyone who's going like, I'm so happy God corrected me. We don't like that, do we? We don't like that, but it goes on to say, do not despise the disciplines of the Almighty when you sin, for though he wounds, he also bandages, he strikes, but his hands also healed. Imagine somebody just going along and saying, man, I'm so blessed. God corrected me today, right? God loves me so much that he's keeping me out of trouble. Nobody likes to be corrected. We really don't. We, we, we get on the defense immediately when someone tries to correct us. But Job says, do not despise the correction of the Almighty. Don't despise it. Shepherds back in the day, when we had that little, there would be a little lamb, it would always wander away. You got that kid at home. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you were that kid. I'm not sure. But the one lamb was always just wandering away. And the shepherd would always have to keep going back after him. And you know what they would do for that one little lamb that was always going astray? The shepherd would take their staff and they would crack that little lamb as hard as they could in the leg and break it. But here's what they would do. Then the shepherd would pick them up. You've seen pictures of this. Place the little lamb over their shoulders, and they would always carry them. They would supply to them. They would feed them. They would take good care of them till that leg healed. And you know why they did this? Because the little lamb would get so accustomed for the shepherd to be taking care of them all the time that he would begin to rely on that shepherd and he would become totally and completely dependent on the shepherd's care. He would learn his voice and the shepherd would bring him to the greatest places. And he would never again run off because he learned the voice of the shepherd. It's called the discipline of God, church. There may be a time when a good and loving God, and he is, when a good and loving God will will let us face the consequences of our stupid decisions because we make them, don't we? Man, we make these decisions. I mean, we literally will put ourselves in this horrible situation and then what do we do? Like, dear Lord, please take all this away from me. Take all this away. Lord, I'll serve you forever. You take this away from me, right? 
we want to bargain with him. And there's sometimes that our God, our God, would say, now, nah, you got to live in it. You, you've got to live in that. You know, I've never in my life heard anybody say, God is disciplining me right now. Man, it's so good. I've never heard that. You know, where you're like, yeah, give it to me, God. I want it. Give me all that discipline. How many of you have ever heard your teenager say, you know, praise the Lord. My dad loves me so much. He grounded me. He's not going to let me hang out with those friends anymore. Never has that been spoken. Or you know what? I'm so excited that my dad took my phone away from me because there's some bad things on there for me. Never spoken in your house. Hebrews chapter 12, if you'll check this out with me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it says this. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. Man, this is straight from God's word. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. God's on it, church. He disciplines for good reason. The fourth thing is this. The good shepherd, he does this, church. He protects. He protects us. Psalm 23, verses 4 through 6, it says this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Church, this is a lot more than just a verse that's spoken at a funeral. This has true meaning for us. Church, you realize when he is with us, you really and truly have nothing to fear. Amen. When he is with you, you have nothing to fear. When he is with me, I am at rest in my soul. When he is with us, I know he's working. He is working in all things to bring about the good, as the Bible tells us, for those who love him and been called according to his purpose. That's what he does. That rod that's mentioned there in Psalm 23, that's a weapon. That's a weapon to scare off anything that wants to harm us. And then there's that staff. The staff that's mentioned there, it's a hook to rescue those fallen sheep. Scoop them up. But in verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Church, you realize that God is saying, I will even take care of what irritates you. I'll even take care of that. That's how good I am. And here's a little bit of background on that. There's an Old Testament uh, tradition when it talks about that cup overflows. You know, in the Old Testament, if you would go to somebody's home and, and to be a guest there, and they're sitting there, you're sitting at the table with them eating and drinking, and, and as long as the host would continue to fill your cup up, that means they want you there. Now, some of you that don't take social cues, if your cup's empty and they ain't filling nothing up, that means it's time for you to go home because they want to go to bed. It's 1 a.m., all right? Learn your social cues. 
But seriously, what that means is they're saying as long as that cup's in there and your host keeps filling up, they want you to be at the table. And David said this. He said, my cup overflows. He meant this. I'm always welcome in the presence of the good Savior because he keeps that cup full all the time because he wants me at his table. And that's what that means. That he wants you there. He protects you. Verse 6, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Church, it doesn't mean that you're not going to face any physical problems. It doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect. Man, if you signed up for Christianity for that reason, you are on the wrong boat because it doesn't work that way. In spiritual terms, It means he is stored up for you an inheritance. He stores up for you an inheritance that will never spoil. That inheritance will never perish. And that inheritance will never fade. And that's what he, church, has stored up for you and me. An inheritance. So as I ask the praise team to come up here this morning, I want to remind you about a parable that Jesus told. When you really think about this parable, man, it is very impactful. you got to think about this. But Jesus told the parable that if there was 100 sheep, if there was 100 sheep and one of them wanders away, he says the good shepherd will leave the 99 to go after the one. And in today's society, in today's world, you'd be like, why would you do that? I want you to think about this, church. That one sheep that wandered away. And the Bible says, Jesus said, the good shepherd will leave all the other ones and go after that one. I want you to understand this, church. You are the one. You are. You are the one. You are the sheep, that one sheep that needs the good shepherd. I want you to know this. Listen to me. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. And some of you, you are just like me. Man, I can run a marathon. And he's coming for you and you're running the other way. Instead of running into his open arms, for whatever reason, you are running the other way. Not realizing he's coming for you because he cares for you. Not realizing he's coming for you because he wants to bring you back into the fold. He's coming for you. Because he wants you to have a life and have it to the full. You are that sheep that needs a shepherd and he's coming for you, church. He loves you that much. He does. He loves you that much. So this morning, church, if you're feeling this message, (laughs) it's for you. It is. It's for you. And guess what? I believe with all my heart, God's speaking to you right now. He's telling you, you are the one, and I'm coming for you. You are the one that I want. You are the one that I will pursue to the very ends of the earth. And he wants you to know, church, he wants you to know this. He wants you to know him, and he wants you to know that he's good. He is a good, good father. 
Some of us, we have a hard time with that maybe. You might be sitting here today and you really struggle with that because maybe you didn't have a good earthly father. And when somebody says father, you instantly related to that. But listen, he's different. He's completely different. He's a good, good father and he has come, church, so that you can have a rich and satisfying life. I'm not even talking about money. I'm talking a rich and satisfying life. He wants you to be filled up. And you're sitting here today and you're empty. It's because you won't let him fill you up. Church, I want you to know he will be your provider. He will be your protector. He will be the one who will watch over you. But you have to do this. You have to surrender to him. You've got to come to know him. So this morning, if this sermon hits you hard, I'm talking hard. That's God speaking to you. If you're living your life outside of Christ right now, he's chasing you down. He's wanting you to come home. So if that is you this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ personally, I want to encourage you, I seriously want to encourage you to come forward. Some of the elders will be up here. Kim will be up here. They will show you what you need to do to have that life and to have it to the full. But it's up to you being willing to surrender to him. And for the rest of you believers here today, for those of you who accepted Christ already, but you know what? You're like that one little sheep. You keep wandering away. You're not recognizing him for who he is, for your provider, for your protector, for your good shepherd. It's time for you to seriously to come back into the fold to recognize him and to continue to rely on him, to realize that he is leading you beside those still waters because he wants to restore what it is that he started in you a long time ago. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing, but I want to encourage you this morning to respond.